Welcome to the second message in this series uh, that we kicked off last week, uh, our Overwhelmed series. And last week we looked at this, this idea, just starting off this series, that uh, when we're overwhelmed, what's true is more important than what we feel is true. And today we want to take that next step and, and really just talk about when we when we come to the end of ourselves, when it just feels like it's over. And so let me start by asking a question. What do you do when your world is falling apart? What do you do when your world is falling apart? What do you do when your spouse walks out on you? What do you do when you get that call and the doctor gives you that C word, we found cancer, you need to come in? What do you do when your boss asks you to come into the office and says, you know, we've cut a lot of our overhead, but it's still just not enough. We need to let you go as well. What do you do when you're standing over the empty grave of a loved one and you're saying goodbye for the last time? What do you do when it feels like your world is falling apart? This is a big, big question that, surprisingly enough, perhaps to many of us, the Bible answers this question, and over and over and over again, people like you, people like me, ask this question, and God answers that question for us. And, and so today, I want to take the next step and, and talk about what do we do when it just looks like it's all over, when just throw in the towel, life just isn't worth living any longer. In fact, uh, there are entire books in the Bible that, that seek to answer that question and do effectively answer that question. One of those books is a little-known book. Um, I, I've talked about it from time to time, uh, looked at it a little bit, uh, but want to go deeper, and that's the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. It was written actually by the prophet Jeremiah, uh, and the book of Jeremiah is a rather lengthy book, but in Lamenta Lamentations, Jeremiah is really just getting a whole lot off of his chest, and, and that's what it really means, lament. We don't use that word very often today, but it's an old English word, and it literally means to complain. And I think for many of us, we're going to be a little surprised today to find out how much God is not threatened by our complaints. In fact, he welcomes us to, to complain to him, to, to really be real and open and honest with him. And so the book of Lamentations, I want to really uh, spend most of the time together in Lamentations chapter 3, and, and there's a number of verses. There are 66 verses, and we're not going to take the time to go through all of them today, uh, but I, I'm going to work through and, and look at a number of these verses. I know, hey... This is Super Bowl Sunday, right? There's some stuff going on. Listen, football's not that big of a deal at all, and, and sometimes people make a real big deal out of it. it we're we're going to get you out before then. You know, I don't know what all the fuss is about football or anything like that. Isn't that the, isn't that the coolest Bible you've ever seen in your life? I thought it would be appropriate on Super Bowl Sunday here. Uh, this is a, a Bible someone got for me. Feels like the real deal and everything. But anyway, uh, we're going to get you out on time. But, but I, I think it's important that we spend a little bit of time uh, just looking at, because maybe you're not in that place today where you feel like throwing in the towel. Uh, where, where, what's the use in going on? What's the use in living? Uh, but maybe you know someone who is. And so I just encourage you to take notes today because this, I believe, is going to be tremendously helpful, if not for you right now, maybe for someone you know. Or, or maybe even more so, 
maybe it'd be really helpful for you in the future. Because the fact about the matter is life is hard. And, and we have tremendous highs and we also have tremendous lows. And every one of us, at one time or another, we're going to come face to face with just that decision. Should I throw in the towel? What's the use? What do you do when your world is falling apart? And, and specifically, as we read the book of Lamentations, and I encourage you, just a little homework, read chapter 3 uh, today, later on. Just spend some time praying with it and, and thinking through it and just listening to what the Holy Spirit may say to you from uh, Lamentations chapter 3. But specifically today, uh, we want to look at how to deal when our, our feelings and our world around us just, it feels like cr it's all crumbling all around us. Specifically, I want to look at uh, six specific things that God tells us to do when our lives are falling apart, when it feels like our lives are falling apart. And, and as I did last week, let me just give you the big idea that we're going to be spending some time with today. Uh, and, and here it is. God is less done with you than you are. When you feel like your world is falling apart, when it's just spiraling out of control, you don't know how you're going to ever face another day, and it just looks like life is not worth living any longer. I don't know if you've been there before. I sure have. Here's the truth. God is less done with you than you are. Just because I feel like, and we talked a lot about feelings last week, we will again today, just because I feel like throwing in the towel the fact is, it's not about my feelings. The truth is, God is less done with you. God is less done with me than I think he is. And, and so God wants us to know, and this is what we're going to see in this great book of Lamentations, that he can handle our anger. God can handle our gripes. And God can handle our griefs. And, and that's what God wants us to to do more than anything else, to come to him with our gripes and our grief and our anger. Because the fact about the matter is if you and I don't talk to God about our emotions, we'll end up taking it out somewhere else or on someone else. God created us the way that he did with the feelings, the emotions that we have, but we weren't meant to carry especially those negative things for a long time. It's very important that we deal with them in the right way. When you feel like your world is, is spiraling out of control and falling apart, the first step really towards recovery is getting good and honest with God about how you feel. And so here, here's the first thing. Unload all my frustration on God. That's the first thing. When we feel like we've come to the end, when it's all over, it's important that we unload all of our frustration with God. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I just want to read the, the, the first 10 verses here. Uh, it, it's pretty remarkable. Just listen to what Jeremiah, he's a prophet of God, he, he loves God, God's child. Listen to how Jeremiah unloads all his frustration on God, beginning in verse 1. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. And he goes on. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken 
my bones. You get the feeling he's down in the dumps here? He, he's just, boom, he's letting it all out. And, and look at verse 5. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. And he goes on and says, he's walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. This is not a guy who's just been a little bit disappointed. This is not a fellow who's just a little tiny bit overwhelmed. What he's seeing literally in the nation of Israel at the time, they've been conquered, they've been taken into captivity, the people have been made slaves. He's seen corrupt government all around him in the nation of Israel, and he is just letting it all loose. He is unloading everything on God. And he says in verse 9, He has blocked my way with, high, with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He is hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. Now, this probably is not accurate But what we see here is Jeremiah, this is not really who God is, but what we see here is Jeremiah is just like, this is how I feel. This this is what I'm thinking, God. He's not bottling up all those feelings and emotions. He's unloading all of his frustration with God. Is this surprising to you? This might be surprising to, to many of us, but this is the Bible. This is God's word right here. And it's not the only place that we find this kind of uh, language with someone just completely unloading all of their frustration with God. It's so very important that we talk to God, especially when we have these negative feelings and emotions. Because if I don't talk about my anger, my anger will take it out on me. So many people I know, so many wonderful, genuine Christians that I know suffer physically because they're carrying around anger and bitterness and resentment. And instead of letting it out, not on other people or on other things, but letting it out, unloading it to God, just like Jeremiah does, stuff it, push it, press it down. And ultimately, those negative feelings, those emotions, anger, bitterness, resentment, Ultimately, they begin to affect them physically because you and I were not meant to carry that type of negative feeling and emotion inside of us. And so the first thing is unload my frustration to God. You know, I remember when uh, my wife Susie and I have three daughters and I remember when they were little, uh, you know, from time to time they would throw a temper tantrum. And I remember one of our daughters in particular, she, she seemed to throw a little bit more than the others. And, uh, and, and what I would do is literally I'd put her in her bed, she's about two, three years old, and I'd say, when you're done, you just call daddy. And I'll be back and we'll, 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 uh, we'll move on from here. And so she would just scream and shout and throw herself all up and down, jump up in the bed. She'd say, daddy, get in here right now. I told you, get in here. Pounding her fists and yelling and screaming. I was just like, not until you're done, not until you're done. You know, even when she was uh, doing all that kind of foolishness, I didn't yell at her, I didn't scream at her or anything, because I realized something. I realized she didn't know everything that I knew. I realized she couldn't see everything that I could see. 
She didn't understand everything that I could understand. Even in the midst of all that emotion, I never stopped loving her. And that's the same with God. I mean, listen, I am a frail, (laughs) faulty, imperfect father. But your heavenly father's not. He's perfect. He's not threatened by these emotions. This doesn't unnerve him. He's like, whoa, all right, I'm going to just stop caring for you and loving you. Not at all. I am an imperfect father. How much more so your heavenly father and my heavenly father? Maybe your earthly father uh, loved you conditionally like that, or, or maybe your earthly mother or something would just kind of go off on you if you showed any negativity or, or something like that. That's, that's not who God is. Let's, let's stop projecting on our perfect heavenly father what our imperfect parents here on earth did or didn't do to us. The first thing that we learn when it looks like that, when we're overwhelmed, when it looks like it's over, what's the use in going on? All of those feelings of helplessness. We need to unload all of that anger, all that frustration on God, just like Jeremiah did here in these first 10 verses. The second thing that we learn here, in, and, and we need to walk out from Lamentations, is this. Turn my focus on my pain to God's love. I need to, you need to turn our focus from our pain to God's love instead. Major, major difference in perspective. Look at verse 19 in Lamentations chapter 3. I I love how the, the Good News translation puts it. Look at this. It says, the thought of my pain, my homelessness, is bitter poison. Notice that the thought, so much of what happens is in our thoughts. Things that happened to us decades ago, 20 years ago, but we can't let it go in our minds. It's in our thoughts. So important. If we're going to learn how to win over worry, we've got to learn, identify our thoughts, and how to deal with them. Look at what Jeremiah says. The thoughts of my pain, my homelessness is bitter poison. Verse 20, I think of it constantly, and what's the effect? What's the, what's the ripple effect? Because I think about these things constantly, my spirit is, oh no, there he went and said it. Depressed. I'm depressed, why? Because I'm looking at my problem. I'm looking back on my problem. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. And you know what? Because of my thoughts, because of the way I constantly think, I now am overwhelmed and I'm depressed. What, what keen insight we find here in the scripture, and, and why should we be surprised? It's God's word, it's timeless, about really what happens when our thoughts are in the wrong place. What ends up happening? We get depressed. Verse 21, yet hope returns when I remember this one thing. Now all of a sudden there's going to be a shift here. There's going to be a shift that takes place because we have to get our perspective, our focus off of our problems, off of our pain, and onto God's love. And so he says, yet hope returns when I remember this one thing. What is it? Verse 22, the Lord's unfailing love. When I begin to focus on Jesus, when I begin to focus on what God has done, how much God loves you, and how much God loves me, 
instead of focusing in on our pain, instead of focusing in on a problem, it's not saying those things aren't there, but it's just what really are we thinking about constantly? Jeremiah said, when I constantly thought about my pain, I got depressed. When I constantly thought about the problem, I got depressed. But when I focused on this one thing, hope returns when I remember this one thing, the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. Fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise, and I love this now, don't miss this, verse 24, the Lord is all I have, and so in Him I put my hope. So many times, you and I, we get overwhelmed, don't we? Because we put our hope in other things. Because we put our hope in other people. And Jeremiah realized as he's unloading it all on God, he realizes, you know what? My focus is in the wrong place. Instead of focusing in on my pain, I need to focus in on God's unconditional love, his unfailing love. The Lord is all that I have, and so in him I put my hope. Not in anyone else, not in circumstances or situations. In him I put my hope. And then he goes on and he says in verse 25, The Lord is good to everyone who trusts him. I, I, I love to say this, you've probably heard this before. Uh, every promise has a premise. This is another one of these promises that has a premise. The Lord is good to everyone. Mm, no, that's not what this says. The Lord is good to everyone who, who puts their trust in him, who puts their hope in God. God's good to them. And so it is best for us, watch this now, to wait in patience, to wait for him to save us. So many times when we focus on our pain and our past and our problems, instead of focusing in on God's love, you know what happens? When we hold bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness in our hearts, it, it never hurts the person we're bitter towards. It doesn't hurt them at all. They don't even think about us. You know what it does? It's self-inflicted wound. It's a self-inflicted wound. We hurt ourselves. If I'm bitter towards my neighbor, my neighbor could care less. My, my, my old boss, he, he doesn't even think twice about me, but I'm hurting myself. And Jeremiah makes that switch of looking at God's unfailing love instead. And it says, the Lord is good to everyone who puts their trust in him. So it is best for us to wait in patience. Do you know the thing about uh, uh, really being overwhelmed? People that are overwhelmed are impatient. That's a sign of being overwhelmed. We don't have any patience. We want it right now. We want everything the way we want right now in this moment. Jeremiah says, whoa, the Lord's good to everyone who trusts in him. So it's best for us to do what? Wait in patience. Wait in patience to wait for him to save us. When your world is falling apart, it's easy for us to focus on the pain and the problems and the pressure and the difficulties. It's the natural response. But the biblical response is to turn our focus onto God's love. 
even though you're mad at God, you need to remind yourself of how much he loves you. God never stops loving me just because I'm upset with him. God never stops loving you just because you're upset with him. And God never stopped loving Jeremiah just because Jeremiah was very, very upset with him. We need to focus on God's unconditional love. Remember that you can't make God stop loving you. I, I love saying that to my children. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Where'd you get an idea like that from, Greg? Well, God, that's where. That, that, that's what God said to really you and I uh, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Giving his best, his son, to pay the price to substitute and sacrifice himself to pay the price for my personal sins and your personal sins. How do we know that he paid the price in full for every sin that, that I'll ever commit, past, present, or future, every sin you ever commit, past, present, or future, because he rose again three days later. And, and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's like we can hear God whisper, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what we need to focus in on. Not the pain, the problems, or the pressure, but the unconditional love of God. Here's the third thing that we can learn when it feels like everything is falling apart around us, when, when life is over, from Lamentations chapter 3, and, and really pick up on it with this idea of being patient. And we're going to go really deep on this next week when we talk about overdrive. But for the sake of today, the third thing is get alone with God and wait. It's so important to get alone with God and wait. To quiet the noise. That's what we're going to talk about next week in overdrive. Everything in our lives so hectic, so frenzy. And we wonder, why doesn't God speak to me? He wants to. We just got to shut off some of the noise. Shut off some of the noise. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 and 26. It says, The Lord is good to those who, who depend on Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him. To those who search for Him. They're waiting for Him. Depending on Him. God, I'm not going to do anything until I hear from you. So it is good, what? To wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Get alone with God and wait. I, I love how the message, real contemporary translation of uh, the Bible, puts it in Lamentations 3, 28 and 29. It says, when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence. I love that, enter the silence. Bow in prayer, don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. The reason why so many of us struggle from time to time with hopelessness is because we just don't take time on a daily basis to get alone with God. It's just up in the morning and go, go, go. You know, uh, I mentioned a, a, a number of weeks back ago in, in a message about a time when I was in college, a real dark time that I uh, faced when, when, when really is a time in my life when I, when I consider taking my own life. And uh, I want to share with you some of that. Um, after I mentioned that, 
in one of my messages, I had some interesting conversation at the dinner table with the family that night, and my girl said, Daddy, we never knew that. So I shared with them uh, this story that I'm going to share with you today. Uh, I, I was always a very by-the-book type of person. Uh, loved to have fun, always loved to have fun, but within the rules, not a real rule breaker, and went to a very strict college, a, a Bible college, for my undergraduate work, it was uh, very strict in Florida and had a lot of rules, all kinds of rules. Uh, we had room inspection and, and, and all kinds of things like that. If there was anything in your trash can, you get demerits, you get a demerit for this, that, and the other. And uh, it was my junior year in, in college, and I was already in some place of influence and some student leadership and some things like that. And there was having a missions conference where all these missionaries came back from all over the world uh, and, and for a week had this huge missions conference and raised support and all. And I got to know one of those missionaries from Germany pretty well, and, and he's a pretty likable guy, and we were just having fun. And, and uh, he was staying in the empty room in the dormitory on the floor I was on uh, for guests. And uh, I thought, man, you know, I'm going to just play a little practical joke on him. And uh, it was Saturday, and I knew he was out, and so I went in there with one of my buddies, and we turned all the furniture upside down in the room, short-sheeted his bed. We just did all kinds of stuff to the room, just turned it upside down and all his clothes. We, we threw out all his clothes on the floor, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. And uh, um, we thought it was a lot of fun, and what we didn't realize was he was out actually meeting with some pastors and all that. And he got back to his room about one o'clock in the morning. He didn't think it was very fun. I found out. Next day was church, Sunday, and went to church. And uh, at the end of church, on that Sunday morning, the dean of students walked up to me. He was a retired Navy commander. And he said, Greg, I'd like to see you in my office first thing tomorrow morning. We need to talk. And I was not a rule breaker. And I can't tell you, in that moment... The feelings and the emotions just unleashed in me. And, and I hit the skids just like that. And, and like I said, former Navy commander, this guy was serious. He was as serious as it ever, you know, he, he was a serious guy, commanding presence. My wife Susie and I, we were not married at the time, we were dating. And uh, we went out that night, and she's just trying to pull me out of the pit emotionally. And it was at that time as we were driving down to a park to, to talk that, that I considered taking my life. I, I just thought, I've, I've blown it here. My, my, I'm going to get expelled tomorrow morning. My father knew the president of the college and this is going to be such an embarrassment to him and to our whole family, to our church. And uh, something inside of me said, as I was driving down the road, Something inside of me said, just go ahead, mash the accelerator, and crash into a telephone pole. It's not worth living anymore. It's over. And the fact about the matter is, I would have done it if Susie hadn't been in the car with me. That's how overwhelmed I had become that quickly. And I know for you, you may be hearing that and say, wow, that's just, that's just crazy. Why would anyone ever do that? It was as real as anything. And it was in that time 
and talking to Susie, and I shared with her as we were driving down the road, I said, right now, I just want to tell you, I'm thinking about just jerking the steering wheel and running straight into a telephone pole and ending it all. And I said, you're the only thing that's saving me. And after we talked and she tried to just pull me out of it, didn't, bless her heart, I wasn't going to hear it. That night, that Sunday night, I went back to my room and I just cried. And I prayed. I just got alone with God. I just shared with him (laughs) what I was feeling. And and you know what? I'm here today. (laughs) I didn't do it, obviously. But I didn't know what was going to be awaiting me that Monday morning, first thing, in the dean's office. But just in that time of getting alone with God and praying, it gave me just enough strength, just enough breathing room that I was like, whatever it is, Lord, I'll face it if you're with me. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Here's the fourth thing that we need to do that we can learn when it seems like Our life's falling apart. We need to change the things that I can change. Change the things that I can change. You know, there's a lot of things in life that that we just can't change that are out of our hands, and that's what I realized that night. It's out of my hands. If they expel me from this college, and I'd seen many people expelled for breaking rules. If they expel me, I can't change that at this point. But I can change my heart, I can change my attitude, I can change my thoughts. This is what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. It says, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. That's what began to happen inside of me that Sunday night. I began taking a look like, you know what? What was I doing? What was I thinking? Fun, ha ha, great joke disrespectful and I realized I could change couldn't change the outcome but I could change my attitude and my thoughts let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord maybe it's time if you feel like if you're overwhelmed today maybe it's time to take an inside look and examine our ways what have I been have I been doing have I been walking the way the Lord wants me to walk what am I involved with? Maybe you're, you're new to, to the Bible, new to, to Jesus, Christianity. Let me just encourage you, begin to read God's word. Open your heart and let him begin to inform you of all the good things through his word that he has for you. And walk in those ways. Walk in those ways. Maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years and there are things that you know that, that you're living below the good things that God has for you. And you know it. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return. Maybe you've been away from the Lord for a long time. And, and now you're, you're down, you're overwhelmed, and it feels like it's all over. It's time to return to the Lord. If you want to change your life, you have to change 
your thoughts. That's the one thing we can do is change our thoughts. You and I can never change another person. It's impossible. Can't change anyone else, but we can change ourselves. We have to change our thoughts. So that's what Jeremiah really did. And I love this statement, and and it kind of summarizes Jeremiah's perspective at this time in Lamentations chapter 3. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you got. You and I don't know that God is all we need until God is all we've got. And in a crazy twist, plot twist, like we talked about last week, the situations and circumstances, I went from being in 24 hours the fair-haired boy of that college campus to what I felt like was probably looking at I was going to be expelled next morning when I woke up. But I knew I could change my attitude, and I just decided, you know what, no matter what that dean says to me when I walk in there, I'm going to interrupt him and say, I am so sorry, and I'm just going to apologize and let him see how broken up I am inside and then just take the consequences no matter what they are. Because I knew God was going to be with me. I couldn't see out to the other end of the situation, but I knew God was going to be with me. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. Listen, we, we, you and I, we, we make dumb mistakes all the time. We start doubting God's love. I know better than God does is really kind of how we start thinking and living. I'm going to start choosing to do the things that please me rather than please God. We think of God as some kind of cosmic killjoy that really he's just looking for ways to make our lives miserable. That's, that's not the truth at all. The truth is you don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. Maybe you're there right now. And I, I pray and I've been praying that this message would encourage you and inspire you. Maybe you're overwhelmed right now not to throw in the towel. We need to change our thinking. And here's the fifth thing that we can, we can learn from Jeremiah that'll help us when we're overwhelmed, when it feels like it's over. Ask God to relieve my fears. Ask God to relieve me of my fears. Look at verse 53 of Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 3. It says, They threw me into a pit and dropped stones on me. The water rose over my head. And I cried out, this is the end. Man, that's how I felt on that Sunday night, tossing and turning in my bed. But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. He goes on and he says, you heard me when I cried, listening to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called. You told me, do not fear. Do not fear. You know, I love that. Do not fear. Did you know that in the Bible, that phrase, do not fear or fear not, appears, watch this now, 365 times in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? 365 times. Once for every day of the year. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Put your trust in God. Put your hope in God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
And, and I remember on that Sunday night just praying, God, just give me courage to face whatever consequences there are. Just give me courage not to be afraid just to walk in there. I mean, I thought about just packing up and leaving before even going to see the dean. Just forget about it. I'm just going to leave. I'm not even going to go see him. But instead, I said, Lord, just give me courage to go see him. Here's the sixth and the final thing that we learn when we're, we feel like it's over, that we see in the life of Jeremiah and what made the big difference. He unloaded all of his frustration on God. He turned his focus from his pain to God's love. He got alone with God and he waited. He changed the things that he could change. He changed his thoughts, his perspective. He asked God to relieve his fears and here's the sixth thing now. Expect Jesus to restore my life. Expect Jesus to restore my life. Expect Jesus to restore your life. Look at what Lamentations 5.21 says. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Give me back my joy. I've unloaded all my frustration on you. I've turned my focus from my pain to your love. I've gotten alone and I'm waiting to hear. I've changed the things that I can, my attitude, my perspective. I'm asking you to relieve my fear, to give me courage. And I'm expecting you, Jesus, to restore my life. I love this. This, this is what the gospel really is. This is why Jesus came, to restore our life, to bring us back joy. You know, I probably ought to tell the rest of the story of what happened that morning. I went in there, and, and I'm not being overly dramatic in explaining what it was that I went through. I walked into the office and told the secretary I have an appointment with the dean, and she said, oh, yes, I know, he's waiting for you. I'm like, as if I need this, and you know, <laughs> just make it worse. She walked me down. She stopped in the hallway right outside his door. I walked down that dark hallway. And as I turned to go into the office with an unknown future waiting for me, I walked in the door, and sitting at the dean's desk was that missionary with his feet propped up on the desk, and he said, gotcha! You can't make this stuff up. And he simply was playing a practical joke. And I almost ended my life the night before because of it. And I share that with you not because I'm proud of it, because I think it's a perfect example of how quickly things can just turn. Just on a practical joke that quick just turn around like that but you know what God gave me back my joy and now I look back on that and I laugh but the fact about the matter is was until a couple months ago when I referenced it in a message I was still so embarrassed it, it almost a quarter of a century I've never told that story very few people had ever heard it before that's why my kids were like what daddy Don't give in. Don't give up. Let's keep our focus on Jesus. When you feel like it's over, 
like you've lost everything. Stop focusing on what you've lost, but focus on what's left, and that is God and his unconditional love for you. I I heard this uh, statement recently. It really helped me. John Acuff put it this way. Remember, it's not conditions, but decisions that determine our lives. It's not the conditions. Man, the conditions can get really bad, really crazy, really out of control, really heartbreaking. But it's what we decide in those moments. That's what makes all the difference. Remember, it's not conditions, but decisions that determine our lives. Back to that big idea for today. Let's look at it one more time. When you feel like it's over, God is less done with you than you are. And when I thought, it's over, I'm done, God said, no, you're not. I've got a lot more left for you. A lot more plans, and my purpose has not been fulfilled. That's what we need to keep a focus on. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that, that this message would bring practical hope to those of us that may be struggling, feeling like it's over, what's, what's, what's the use in moving forward. That, Father, we would truly unload our frustration on you, knowing you can handle it, turn our focus from our pain to your love, get alone with you and wait, that we change the things that we can change. We'd ask you to relieve us of our fears, and we would wait expectantly, Lord, for you to restore the joy of life back to us knowing that this is just a season but Lord you're going to walk us right through this difficulty thank you Father for your great love for us in Jesus name Amen